If you have your Bibles, we're going to go a little bit of a different direction than what I originally planned. Go to Luke chapter 24. Praise the Lord. The Lord would have me to share these scriptures with you. Because today is, if you are walking, if you are born again, if you're saved, today is the reminder of your re- eternal life, of the power of God that lives on the inside of you. Amen. Amen. And if you are here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, well, I'll tell you what, you're going to get something today. There's going to be faith that's going to rise up in your heart, and you're going to know that you have a need for this living Savior, the Lord Jesus. We're going to Luke chapter 24 on this very important Resurrection Sunday morning. Amen. Let's read the resurrection account, Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 1. We're going to read down through several verses If you have your Bibles, go there. If you don't, you do have uh, the overhead. Verse 1, it says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. Boy, isn't it a shame that those spices were going to go to waste. (laughs) No spices needed. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Verse 2, and it says, And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb, the sepulcher. Talking about Jesus' sepulcher. This is where they laid him after he came off that cross. In verse 3 it says, And they entered in and they found not the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. To this day, the Roman Empire hired soldiers to find that body. They could never find it. They still have never found it. They will never ever find it. The most powerful emperors and world rulers set out to find it, and they could not. There's no king that can find it. Hallelujah, because the king of kings rose again. Hallelujah. And it came over there to verse 4. It says, and it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout. Why were they perplexed? Jesus said he was going to raise again. (laughs) He says, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. These two men are angels. And it says this, and as they were afraid, and as they bowed down their faces to the earth, the angels said unto them, why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and be crucified, and the third day rise again. In verse 8, they said, oh yeah, I guess that was right, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, they remembered his words. Hallelujah. But I want to go back up there uh, to verse 5. When the angels say something that is Bible truth, they say, why seek ye the living among the dead? Here they had spices that were prepared because they thought they were going to just see what you expect when someone comes off the cross dead. They just thought, well, he died. It's just normal to think that that's what happens when people die. And that's the way it is always going to be. But there was something different that day. Those spices never got to that body. Because Jesus is the one that changes all expectations. That just because there's certain things that you expect in this world, just because there's things that, well, that's the way it always happens. So therefore, that's the way it's got to happen to me. Jesus is the changer of those things. Jesus is a new expectation. Glory to God. 
Meaning that just because, just because the world's economy is tanking doesn't mean your economy has to tank. Just because the world is dominated with sin and hate doesn't mean that you have to be dominated with sin and hate. Because Jesus changes that which was dead and he makes it alive. Just because 70% of the world's marriages are failing doesn't mean your marriage has to fail. Just because uh, many people are living and, and dying with cancer doesn't mean that you have to die with in sickness and disease. Just because the world is on an increase of mental illness and bipolarism and depression and anxiety is on the rise, that might be going on in the world. But Jesus, you don't have to expect that. You don't have to live that. Jesus is the life changer. He's the one that, that, that takes what seems like the ordinary path of the world and it goes a different way. There's things that are prepared. Notice that there were spices prepared for a dead body. There's things in this world that the devil would like to prepare for you and try to bring death upon you, right? How many of you know, but those things that the enemy has prepared for us, no, I'm not saying that those women were enemies of Jesus that morning. You understand what I'm saying. I'm just trying to tell you that there's things that this world has prepared for you that never has to get on you. You don't have to be dominated. Just like those spices went to waste. How many things that the enemy has designed for you that can go to waste? That never is going to touch you. Never has to hurt you. Because Jesus is alive. Amen. And the angels, they say something very interesting. They say, why seek ye the living among the dead? Why are you pursuing life amongst that which is dead? You know, they were looking for a living person among a graveyard. But people in this world, they're doing the same. They're looking for life in dead places. There's no life in the nightclub. It's not the nightlife. It's the night death, right? That's absolutely right. There's people that are seeking life through substances. There's people that are seeking life through uh, premarital sex. There's people that are uh, seeking life through uh, wrong sexual relationships or multiple sexual relationships. There's people that are seeking life amongst greed and, and, and just trying to uh, uh, hoard things and, and, and keep things to themselves. They're, they're trying to seek life amongst fame. How many of you know that Jesus said the prince, or he's talking about the devil, the prince of this world is judged. And everything in this world system has already received a death sentence. Those addictions have already received a death sentence. Those things of, of going out and, and carousing with a party mentality have already received a death sentence. Wrong sexual relationships have already received a death sentence. Greed has already received a death sentence. So why seek ye the living among the dead? You won't find life there. There's only one place to find life, and that's Christ. You're gonna, you're, you know, the, the, the human heart, when we're, when we're born into original sin, there is a, a, a deep and bottomless void in all humanity. That no matter how much money you shovel into it, no matter how many relationships you shovel into it, no matter uh, how many uh, uh, material possessions you shovel into it, no matter how many substances you shovel into it, it will never fill it. It will never fill it. Because all those things are dead, they have no life. But Jesus Christ is the only 
one that can fill a bottomless void in the hearts of humanity. Hallelujah. And so often people are stolen from, they're, they're robbed out of fear. I just kind of feel I'm going to be going a couple of different directions here this morning. There's not going to be any, you know, just one title to this, to this sermon today. But if you have to put a title on it, why seek ye the living among the dead? Why are you looking for life out there in the party? In the, you know, praise God for a God party. We're having a God party here today. Some of you, it just seems so weird to come into church and to see people rejoicing and to see people shouting. But what does it say over there in Psalm chapter 5 and verse 11? Let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because God defends them. And let all those that love thy name be joyful in thee. That's what the word of God says. I'll tell you what, the more you rejoice, the more you shout, the more your faith is going to build and grow, the more your love of God is going to grow. So think it not weird when you come to church and you see people celebrating. You know, you don't think it's weird when you see 80,000 people up there in Orchard Park going bonkers when the Buffalo Bills score a touchdown, though that happens very seldomly these days. (laughs) But every once in a while, it does happen. And I mean, people go absolutely bonkers over a piece of leather going over a painted line. (laughs) And I like football, don't get me wrong. But you watch those athletes, I mean, they work out their whole lives. They're huge, they're on supplements, they're on regimented exercise, and I mean, they're built and they're powerful and they're strong. Why are you getting so strong? So I can carry a piece of leather over a line more than that guy. That's what they, 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 they give their whole lives to, and there's nothing wrong with being disciplined and being an athlete, you understand. But imagine if God's people had the discipline and had the passion and the desire, amen, to praise and worship like people celebrating the things in the world. Amen. So why seek ye the living among the dead? Go with me. To the book of Judges. And now I guess I'll get into more of my regularly scheduled programming. Go to Judges chapter 7. Let me just tell you something that's holding you back. And you might not even be aware. This is why people seek. This is why people seek out. They're, they're, they're trying to find life amongst the dead. And so many times it's fear that's keeping them out of the plans and purposes for God. There's so many people, there's people here today that you might be called a C&E Christian, right? A Christmas and Easter Christian, right? A C&E. How many of you know, I don't want to be a C&E. This should just be a representation of what's going on every week throughout the year, amen? Praise the Lord, glory to God. And how many of you, 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 you know that it's fear that holds people back? Some of you have not put two feet in to serving God because somewhere in your mind there's a, a thought or a, 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 a placement of fear that you think that you're going to lose out if you put two feet in the church and serve God. Do you think that there's something you're going to miss out? You're going to miss out on popularity. You're going to miss out on fun. You're going to miss out on friendships. Let me tell you what, you can never, ever find a better reward than serving God in Jesus. There's no happier life. There's no better life. There is no no more provided, better provided for life than serving God. But some of you are so nervous to think, what will my friends think if I serve God with all my heart? 
What will my family think if I become one of those people that actually lift my hands and praise the Lord? What will my colleagues think? What will the people around me think? What that is, is that's the fear of man. And the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 25, it says the fear of man brings a snare. Who cares if you come out of the closet? The whole world already is. You might as well. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You might as well just let people know, you know what? Yes, I do serve Jesus. Yes, I'm not afraid to ashamed him. And yes, I'm not going to let the fear of your opinion hold me back from the blessings of God. Judges chapter 7, and we're going to start in verse 1. And this is about the account of a war general named Gideon. Gideon was called on by God to lead the children of Israel against a Midianite army. The Midianite army was huge, they were strong, and they were powerful, and they were a very intimidating force, okay? And God says, Gideon, thou mighty man of valor. And here Gideon looks around and says, mighty man of valor? He's like, I don't feel like a mighty man of valor. Aren't you glad that God calls you mighty even when you don't think yourself are? When he said that, Gideon turned around and he said, you must be talking about one of my brothers. And God, through the angel, said, no, I'm talking about you. Oh, Gideon, you mighty man of valor. I love doing that with the people of God. Oh, you blessed saint, holy ghost, you know, spirit-filled overcomer in Jesus Christ. Well, Pastor Tim, I don't feel like a a conqueror today. Well, good, because you're not a conqueror. You're more than a conqueror. (laughs) Hallelujah. Verse 1. And so here Gideon is facing this very intimidating army. So he himself starts to recruit an army. And in verse 1 it says, Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, and I know you probably have an old uncle Jerubbabel, right? You probably name your children Jerubbabel. It's a great name. Actually, I know we're going to go on a, a little tangent. I said this on Wednesday night. But the name Jerubbabel, do you know what it means? It means one whom Baal contends with. Meaning Baal is another, it's a false god that Satan represents. You could say it this way, one whom Satan has to contend with. I like that. It means basically one whom Satan fears. One whom the devil fears. So man, maybe I will. If I have any more children, Jerubbabel might be a great name. Hallelujah. (laughs) Isn't that your middle name, Brother Philip? Jerubbabel? (laughs) I can adopt you? All right. Then Jerubbabel, who is Gideon, the one that Satan fears. And all the people that were with him rose up early and pitched beside the well of Herod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them by the hill of Mori in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, The people that are with you are too many for me to give to the Midianites into their hands, lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Our own hands have saved us. So God looks at the the recruited army of Gideon, and I'll just tell you, it was 32,000 men. About the same exact population as the city of Jamestown. So he had a very large army, 32,000. And God said, you know what, you have too many guys there. I don't want them to think that that your strength in numbers is the reason why you won this battle. I want you to know that it is the Lord, your God, that's saving you. He said, so we're going to need to thin out your army. We're going to thin out the men from the boys, right? 
And in verse 3, look how God does it. Verse 3 says, Now therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart from Mount Gilead. And there returned, or left the army, 22,000. And only 10,000 remained. 22,000 out of 32,000 were disqualified from the army of God because of fear. God said, let's find out who we can really use in this army. Let's find out someone who can really go on and achieve the victory. Let's see somebody who's battle ready. Tell them everyone that is subject to fear, go home and sit on the sidelines. You won't be be part of this victory. And 22,000 of them said, yep, I'm afraid. And they all went home. And they had to be sidelined from the plan of God. People say, well, man, that would be a good thing. Then they don't have to go to war. No, God said that he was going to defeat the Midianites. So what they were going home, meaning that they would not witness the power of God. They weren't going to witness the blessing of God. They were going to be sidelined because they were afraid. They were afraid. How many things are you sitting on the sidelines? How many things, how many blessings have you missed because you're consumed with worry? You're consumed with fear. You're afraid of what people are going to think about you if you live wide open for Jesus. What are people, you know, what are you missing? What are you not receiving from God? Where are you not participating? Because you're afraid. Oh, I'm afraid to worship God like that. I'm I'm afraid to worship like that pastor and that singer and, and these people up towards the front. You know, we don't interview these people that sit in the front. You know, it's not part of the requirements of of, of sitting up front. But people that are hungry for God, right? They like to rejoice and they like to praise. Amen. But why are you so afraid to do that? Why are you so afraid to tithe? Fear is holding you back. Fear is the root of all bondage. Fear is what's keeping you from truly walking in the, in the blessing and the healing. I want to show you something. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 2. The root of all bondage, the root that holds back all humanity is fear. It's fear. There's some people in here that you just won't get faithful for Christ because you're afraid of what someone's going to think. You're afraid what's it going to mean. You're afraid it might cause you to give up something. Oh, I might have to give up my drink. I might have to give up my this. I might have to give up my Sunday mornings. I might have to give up. Well, if you want to go up, you're going to have to give up. And let me tell you, the rewards of Christ will far exceed, far exceed anything you ever thought you lost. Glory to God. Amen. Go to Hebrews chapter 2. And why don't we go over there to verse 14. Let's look at what the Word of God says. Believe me, my natural personality is to be reserved. My natural personality, just within myself, I would just, preser- I'd just, per- you know, just prefer to never respond and never have any outward expression. But aren't you glad that God chose to express Himself? Yes. The Bible says over there in Hebrews chapter 1, we're not going over there right now, but it says that Jesus was the express image of God. 
God said, I'm going to express myself. I'm going to express myself in the form of a God-filled man, the Son of God, right? I'm going to express myself. And he's going to come and he's going to do everything that God the Father does. Saves, heals, forgives, teaches, instructs, delivers. Amen. Imagine what you could do if you would express your faith. God, in order to come into this earth and to move that blessing of Jesus Christ into our presence, he had to express himself. You can have all the faith in your heart in the whole wide world, but it'll never, ever come to life. It will never do you any good until it's expressed. What am I doing up here when I lift my hands and shout praises to God? Am I doing that because I'm just a, a charismatic personality? No, I'm expressing my faith. What am I doing when I'm shouting praise? I'm expressing my faith. What am I doing when I put my tithe in there? I'm expressing my faith. I'm giving expression. Anyway, I told you we're just going a whole bunch of different places. But Hebrews chapter 2, and let's go to verse 14. Let me show you what is holding you back, but let me just show you how that fear that's holding you back is already defeated. Verse 14, it says, For as much then as the children, talking about the children of God. Do we have any children of God here this morning? He's talking about you and me, right? He says, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood. Did anyone bring their flesh and blood here today? All right. If you didn't, well, we got an issue. <laughs> for as much then as the children are living in flesh and blood, Jesus also likewise took part of the same, that through death of his flesh and blood, he might destroy him. Notice that the death of the flesh and blood of Jesus destroyed somebody. It destroyed somebody. It brought a lot of people to life, but there was one that it destroyed. Glory to God. Let's see who that is. It says that through Jesus' death, he would destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Aren't you glad? Everyone else, it gave an opportunity for eternal life, but it put someone to death. The devil. Aren't you glad? In verse 15, it tells us what else it put to death. And to deliver them, meaning us, the children, to deliver us through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to to bondage. This is how people are held. This is what binds people in their life. Notice it says that the, that the devil would try to keep or make people subject to bondage through fear. Fear is what keeps people back. Fear is what keeps people held in, 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 in worry. It keeps them held in poverty. You know, there's some people that they are, 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 are such... They are desiring to be healed in their body. But a lot of people, they don't realize it. They don't have a depression problem. They don't have a sickness problem. They have a fear problem. They didn't realize at the root of the issue was a spirit of fear. They didn't realize that it was fear that was enforcing that thing on them. Because when Jesus came and he delivered us from him who had the power of death, he delivered us from the power of fear. Yes. If you can be free from fear, you will be free. Yes. You get free from fear, you'll get free from that sickness and disease. Yes. 
Because so many times, you know, I've laid hands on people, I've anointed people with oil, and yet I've never, or, you know, there's times when you lay hands on people and you anoint with oil, and there's times you don't see any result. And there are times when the Spirit of God reveals to me because that, that person has adopted a spirit of fear. Sickness wasn't their problem. It was the worry. It was the stress. It was the fear that was enforcing that sickness. I've laid hands on people to, to, to watch the power of God drive out depression and anxiety. But yet it remains because that person still holds on to fear. So many times, see, a lot of times the, the, the stress, the anxiety, the sickness, they can be just byproducts of fear. They can just be symptoms of fear. And sometimes, not every time, we have to get down to the root of that issue. Because the Bible says that the devil will try to keep people subject to his demonic you know, agents through fear. But Jesus came so that you don't have to be afraid. He came to deliver you who, who all of us who were at some times we were subject to bondage through fear. Through fear. Through fear. Hallelujah. If you get free now, what we need to do before we uh, close here today, we need to teach you how to deal with fear. The first thing here you need to see is that you're already free from it. You're already free. When did fear get dealt with? Did it get dealt with in 2010, 2011? When did fear get dealt with in your life? Fear got dealt with in your life 2,000 plus years ago when Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death and fear. And notice what specific it says, what kind of fear you're delivered from. The fear of death. That word death just means destruction. Yeah. Yeah. You're delivered from fearing anything you thought would ever destroy you. You don't have to fear it anymore. Glory to God. And when you get, when you get free from fear, you're going to get free from these things. Some of you are so afraid. Oh, uh, you know, the, the doctor told me this. I'm so afraid. I understand. We're not denying that people have emotions and that, and that those feelings can come against you. But aren't you glad you don't have to live by your feelings? Aren't you glad the Bible says we walk by feelings? Bible says you walk by faith, not by sight, not by feeling, not by emotions. Hallelujah. You don't have to be concerned. I've always said this, the fear of something is worse than the something. The fear of something is worse than the something. Do you know that Job said this over there in Job chapter 3 and verse 25? He said, that which I have greatly feared has come upon me. That which I greatly feared, it happened. My fear gave reality to those thoughts of fear. What faith brings the blessing of God, fear brings the curses of the world and of Satan. Just like the way faith is to God, fear is to Satan. God rules through faith. God moves in faith. He loves belief. If you are going to see a move in a, in a, in a, in a, in a, a, a great move of God's blessing, well, faith is always going to prepare the way. Faith keeps and holds on to the blessing of God. Fear prepares the way of Satan's curses. 
Fear holds and keeps what is the devil's, right? Holds and keeps those things into place. But you're free from fear. You're free from fear. The first thing you need to know about fear is that Jesus dealt with it 2,000 years ago. Just as much as your sin was there, just as much as your sickness was there, that spirit of fear was there as well. Getting crucified, getting killed. You don't have to be subject to be afraid anymore. You don't have to be afraid. And the first thing you need to say is fear is dealt with at the cross. I believe fear was dealt with at the cross. That's your job, number one. You have to say that. There's going to have to be a time in in your car and, and every day you wake up in the morning, you're brushing your teeth, obviously, between brushes, right? You need to say fear was dealt with. Fear has been crucified. Fear doesn't hold me. Fear has no place in me. Amen. Go to 2 Timothy chapter 1. We're just kind of... This is how you're going to make sure you're not seeking life amongst the dead. Why would you seek life amongst the dead? Why look for life amongst dead things? Most people are looking for life amongst dead things because they're afraid that they're going to lose something by being a Christian. That they're going to have a, you know, they're going to have a miserable life. I'll tell you what, I've had more fun in church than I ever had in the world. And if you're not having fun in church, maybe you're going to the wrong church. <laughs> oh my goodness. There's so many people say, man, I, I grew up in church and I, I hated it. Oh, we got to go to church. It's time for church. You know, some people act like church is like detention. <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm going to go to church today. Gotta go to detention. You know, I gotta write on the chalkboard a hundred times. I will not do such and such. I tell you what, if you start rejoicing and, and, and you know, some people they're waiting for, for, for someone to do their rejoicing for them. They're waiting for something to pull them into it. Why don't, instead of waiting for something to pull you into it, why don't you jump in with joy? Why don't you jump in with joy? Why don't you add your measure? Where do I say to go, 2 Timothy? Hallelujah. I just, the Lord was dealing with me, actually, while I was brushing my teeth this morning. <laughs> you know, I just feel that we, we would go this way. Let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. Here's something that you don't have. Something that God has not given you. He says, for God has not given us the spirit of fear. And if God didn't give it to you, he doesn't want you to have it. That's absolutely right. If God didn't give it, he doesn't want you to have it. If he didn't give it, that means you can and should be free from it. He says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Glory to God. God has given me power, love, and a sound mind. Here's the second thing you must know. You must believe that you have power, love, and a sound mind. You're going to have to say that. You're going to have to say, fear was dealt with at the cross. 
I have not been given the spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. All right? Now, notice the reason why fear is mentioned here in power, love, and a sound mind is that fear is the opposite of all three. Fear is what steals the power. Fear is a hindrance. It is an inhibitor of the power of God. If you want the power of God to flow towards you, you're going to have to deal with fear first. If you are going to want to walk in the love of God, aren't you glad that you are so loved? You are so loved by yes. God yes. that the Bible says in 1 John 4, 18, it says perfect love casts out fear. Yes. That perfect love is God's love. I am so loved. Yes. I mean, imagine, what would you feel like if your father owned everything? You know, what would you feel about your finances? What would you feel about your body? If your father was the richest doctor psychiatrist in the world meaning that everyone that came to him got free from sickness everyone that came to him was free from their mind if you if you believe that your father could do anything could pay for anything and everything wouldn't that just wouldn't that do something for you your father god is the savior god healer god Peace giver, joy giver, life giver. He's all of it. He's everything. He has it all. He owns it all. All the gold and the silver are his. The cattle on a thousand hills. He's got it. He's going to provide. He's going to take care of that perfect love that casts out fear. Now fear would also try to rob your sound mind. There's people in our society, they're drunk on fear. They let fear remove their sobriety. See, we think that alcohol is the only thing that removes sobriety. Oh, no, no. Fear will, 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 will make you a drunkard just as, as bad as alcohol will. Why? Because drunk people make bad decisions. They make irrational decisions. In the same way, people that are afraid and are fearful, they make bad decisions. They're afraid of being alone, so they marry the wrong person. They're afraid of being broke, so they don't tithe. They're afraid of not having fun, so they don't go to church. They're afraid of, they're afraid of, they're afraid of, they're afraid of. And so they make bad decisions. They're afraid of humbling themselves. They're afraid of what people might think. Fear is the opposite of a sound mind. So we need to understand, okay, if I get out of fear, I get into power. If I get, the further I get away from fear, the closer I get to God's power. The further I get away from fear, the closer I get to God's love. The further I get away from fear, the closer I get to a sound mind. How are you going to get that distance between you and fear? The answer is right here in this verse, and you'll miss it if you're not careful. It says, for God has not given us, it doesn't say God hasn't given us fear. It says God has not given us the spirit of fear. Here's what you need to know and understand. Fear registers in your emotions, but fear itself is not an emotion. It's not. Fear is a spirit. 
meaning that word spirit there, it doesn't just mean the atmosphere of a thing. It doesn't mean the personality of a thing. That word spirit, it, it, it means an entity. It means a literal person or thing. It's talking about literally a demonic agent. Somebody that has been dispatched from Satan himself to try to instill fear. Meaning that it is somebody, uh, 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 a demonic agent, a personality, something that thinks and plans and strategizes against you. Saying that it's a spirit, right? That tells us you can't think away fear. You can't say, I'm not afraid, 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 not afraid. See, that's only dealing with the feeling. You can't deal with the feeling of fear. You have to deal with the spirit of fear. Right? And I use this illustration on Wednesday night. If there's a burglar coming through your back door, right, you just don't go, oh, go away, go away, go away, go away, go away. No, you got to get up and you got to chase them out of there. Why? Because that person coming through your back door, they're not a thought or a feeling. They're a real tangible person. And they're coming through the door unless you use your authority and get them out of there and show them that they don't own that house. They don't belong in that house. And you got the power to get them out of there. In the same way, that's what fear is. It's like a burglar. It's a, a real personality trying to come in through the door and you can't think it away. You're going to have to use your authority and say, fear, I resist you. Be gone from me in Jesus' name. Because fear was dealt with at the cross. God has not given me the spirit of fear. It doesn't belong to me. And now I know that fear is a a real personality in the unseen realm. It is a literal demon or or, or a personality. And I know there's people who say, oh, this sounds radical and weird. And and I'm not going to speak to fear and tell it be gone. If you won't tell fear to be gone, it, uh, an absence of resistance equals an invitation. An absence of resistance equals an invitation. If you won't resist it, you might as well be inviting it. That's absolutely right. So it is your job to deal with the spirit of fear. Well, imagine what your life would be if you believed that Jesus dealt with fear 2,000 years ago. What was that resurrection? What did it do for us? It destroyed him who had the power of death. It destroyed that power of fear. It destroyed that would hold us in the root of bondage. The root of all bondage is afraid. Some of you are waiting to be better. You know, you're, you're waiting to be better parents. You're so afraid what your kids are going to think about you that you're not doing the right things and raising them. Yeah. You can't be your kids' friends all the time. I'll tell you what, some of, some of uh, the, the children in, in our country today, their worst enemy is their parents. And it was all done in the guise of love. Oh, I love my child, so I let them just, you know, go out who they want to and date who they want to. And No, you're not being a good parent. You preaching good? Yeah. I wasn't agreeing to that, but I was just... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I hope I'm preaching good. <laughs> But I wasn't saying, yeah, I'm preaching good. <laughs> you might, you say that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. But you can't, you can't uh, always give them exactly what they want. 
You can't just uh, 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 tell them, well, I'll never say no because I'm afraid that my kid won't be my friend. You're a parent first. I can't be afraid of what the people of this church and sit in these seats think of me. There's so many times that I'd be tempted, oh, don't share that, don't preach that, because people won't like to hear that. That's a spirit of fear. And I rebuke it, and I won't listen to, to that. I'm not going to be afraid to do what God called me to do. I'm not going to be held back. Because when you get afraid, you won't accomplish. You'll be like one of those 22,000 that remo- were removed. You'll sit on the sideline, and you'll watch the 10,000, and if you go and read the, the rest of the story, only 300 were selected. 300 out of 32,000 of Gideon's troops were actually selected for battle. You'll stand back, and you'll watch the 300 go in, and you'll watch them rejoice. You'll watch them give to God without fear. You'll watch them love people without fear, forgive people without fear. There's some of you that you're afraid to forgive person, because if you forgive them, you're going to lose your leverage. There's, there's people, they think, well, if I forgive that person, if I let go of that grudge, then I'll have no more power over them. You're not supposed to wield and yield power over them. You're supposed to forgive them. There's some people that they're looking for a grudge because they feel empowered. If I got something against them, then I got to say into their life. If they wronged me, well, then it empowers me that now they have to listen to me. No, you aren't called to be the Lord of someone's life. You are not called to try to keep somebody in fear of you. You're called to forgive them. Some of you are afraid to lose that leverage. You know, people do that in their their workplace. They do that in their homes. They do that in their marriages. Oh, there my spouse wronged me. Now's my chance. Now I got the power. Now I got the leverage card. Let go of that leverage card. God let it go for you. God said, just think of how God could have ruled us through fear. God could have said, do this or else. He could have just tried to say, you better. See, that's what all the other religions of the world are saying. Do this or else. And they say, do this or else without any example of love. But Jesus didn't win us through fear. He won us through love. He won us with love. Glory to God. So this is what you need to know today when you leave. Jesus dealt with fear, right? That fear has been destroyed. You need to say that. You need to believe that. You need to believe that the resurrection is what destroyed that fear. Your Father has everything. In the Bible, are you ready for this verse? How about Psalm 8411? It says, the Lord is a sun and a shield. He will give grace and glory, and no good thing will he withhold from them that are walking uprightly. No good thing God will withhold to those that obey Him. Right? How about over there in Psalm 32, verse 10, the young lions do suffer hunger and lack, but they that wait upon the Lord will lack no good thing. Hallelujah. Jesus said, it is your Father's great pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants to give that to you. He doesn't withhold anything good from them. He said over there in Psalm 1-1, he says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, or doesn't do what the sinners do, 
nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word of the Lord, and in his word does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that shall bring forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That's what God wants for you. But fear will destroy. It is a burglar and a thief. You won't have God's best. You'll be sitting on the sideline with the other 21,999 and you'll watch why the 300 go in and get blessed because they were willing to do. I think this bears, we'll close with this. Do you know back there in Judges chapter 7 where we kind of were here just a few minutes ago He said, first, out of your 32,000 men, he said, send everyone home who's afraid. 22,000 left, so there's 10,000 remaining, right? He said, the next thing I'm going to do, I'm going to test the 10,000. And when they go down to the river and drink, God said, I will tell them to drink water like a dog. He did. And I've always said, man, God, you know, if you want me to crawl around and bark like a dog, I'll do it. I didn't realize he actually had told somebody to do that. And and he told Gideon, he said, whoever bows down into the river and drinks water like a dog, those are the ones that will be your soldiers in your army. So the first thing is that fear removed 22,000 of them. And then 10,000 men went down to the river and drank. And 10,000 of them were told in their heart by God to lap water like a dog. And they all were standing there like, lap water like a dog? Are you kidding? I'm too sophisticated for that. I'm too dignified for that. I know God's telling in me, in my heart, something to do, but it makes zero sense, and it's not going to be dignified, it's not going to be pretty, and I'm not going to enjoy that. And only 300 out of 10,000 obeyed the word of the Lord and drank water like a dog. And God told Gideon, he said, those are the men you can go to battle with. Because when God speaks and tells you to do something that seems so weird to your flesh, so strange to your flesh, so out of the ordinary, so not part of our culture, so not dignified, the ones that say, I'll do it for God. God says, now you're ready to go into battle. Because you will be willing to follow the unusual leading of the Lord. Some of you think it's so strange. Lift your hands and praise God. Some of you think it's so strange to see someone uh, dancing a jig for joy for Jesus. You think it's just weird. Well, don't you think that those 10,000 men thought it was weird to drink water like a dog? Do you think it's weird when God puts it in your heart, go give so-and-so 50 bucks? When God tells you, you know what, go to those extended meetings. Go to, go, it's so weird to be in church for a whole week straight. (laughs) You know, I'm going to be in church. I was in church Friday night, last night, today, Monday, Tuesday twice, Wednesday twice, Thursday twice, Friday twice. Saturday off and Sunday right back here. I forget how many services. I counted up 12 services I will be attending in the next seven days. 
Oh, that's so weird. What a weirdo. Well, I bet you eat food for the next seven days. What did, what did Jesus say over there? Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live on bread alone, but by, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't have to be in the next 12 services. I get to be in the next 12 services. People say, oh, that's weird. Well, God put it on my heart. So you're going to say, it's weird to speak to fear. That's weird to say fear. No, you can't think that. I'm not saying you go into Walmart in the, in the grocery line, you know, and all of a sudden there's 50 people around you, and all of a sudden you go, fear, be gone! Right? But I'll tell you what, you're in your home, and you're in your place, your, your, your private time or whatever, and you just know that fear's trying to dog you. You say, you say it. You say it. Fear, I resist you. Be gone. Be removed in Jesus' name. You have no place in me. You're going to have to do that. And when you live free from fear... You're going to live free from bondage. Because the devil can only keep you bound as long as he can keep you afraid. Did you get some help here today? Praise the Lord. Let's go ahead and bow our heads and close our eyes and we'll be ready to dismiss. Father, we glorify you today. We bless you and we magnify you. Lord, you're so good. We thank you for this Resurrection Sunday where we learn we're free from fear we are we will not seek the living among the dead there's no life among those dead things and lord we're not going to let fear keep us in that old familiar life lord we know so many people are so subject and they're slave to the familiar this is what i've always known therefore i always got to be here and be this way and lord they'll, they'll they'll be afraid of going into a new life with jesus And Father, today we realize that that fear has been dealt with. Fear has been destroyed. Him who has the power of death has been destroyed and brought to nothing. You have not given us the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. We distance ourselves from fear, and we get closer to power. We distance ourselves from fear. We get closer to the love of God. We move the blessing in the presence of that love. And Father, we know that as we resist fear, we walk in a sound mind. And Father, we thank you and we praise you. And Father, we just say we are redeemed. We give you praise and glory. With all heads bowed and with every eye closed, before we leave here today, I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. The Bible says that Jesus came to this earth the Son of God 2,000 years ago. He lived a perfect life. He was completely without sin. He never disobeyed God. But you and I had. We had disobeyed God. We weren't perfect. But Jesus came to live the perfect life that we couldn't live. Jesus came to take the punishment for the crimes that you and I had committed against God. When we lie, it's a crime against God. When we steal, it's a crime against God. When we commit adultery, it's a crime against God. Right? When we blaspheme, when we dishonor our parents, it's a crime against God. And every crime must be punished. 
There must be a punishment for the crime. And Jesus showed up and he said, I'll take the punishment. I'll take their punishment. And that's what the cross was about. All that brutality, the nails in his hands, the nails in his feet, the thorns in his head, the spear in his side, was the punishment that you and I deserved. And the Bible says that when Jesus died, he descended into hell and paid our punishment there too. And three days later, he rose again. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you'll confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you'll speak that with your mouth, you'll believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. If you're here today, and if you'll be honest with yourself, and you can say, Pastor Tim, I know I need to be saved. I know I need to invite Jesus into my heart. I'm not going to embarrass you. Today, I'm not going to make you come down front. Eyes are closed. If that's you, I'm going to ask you just to simply raise your hand. As soon as I see your hand, I'll have you put it right back down. And I will lead this congregation in that prayer. And you can pray in their seat. If that's you here today and you know you need Jesus in your heart and your life. You want eternal life and you want to be saved. Could you lift your hand now, please? As soon as I see, I see that hand, thank you. You can put it down. Is there anybody else that you know you want to invite Jesus? into your heart here today. Maybe you are a Christian and you've walked away and you're not serving God like you should. And today you want to rededicate your life. If that's you, could you lift your hand as well? Is there anyone that would like to rededicate your life? I see that hand, thank you. I see that hand and that hand, thank you. You can put them down. I see that hand. You can put them down. God loves you. Let's serve God with a great faithfulness. Let's not just be Easter Christians. Let's not just be Christian, uh, Christmas Christians. Let's be daily Christians, weekly Christians. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray this prayer. If you lifted your hand this morning, pray along with us. Speak these words out of your mouth. Everyone say, Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is Lord. I believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. Lord Jesus, wash me, cleanse me, forgive me of my sin, be my Lord and Savior all the days of my life. I dedicate myself, I consecrate myself to live for you, to please you, to obey you in all things. And Father, we will give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came today? I'll tell you what.